What is popcorn? Popcorn is a small cylindrical object made out of organic material and fried in hot liquefied vegetable fat. That sounds unhealthy. Yes, it does sound unhealthy, but we have no arteries to clog. You are very right, Bob. We should go to Waldash Mart. Yes, let's go to Waldash Mart for microwave popcorn. Yay. Welcome to Walmart. Can I help you? Can you take us to your Rico? No, Gabular. Take us to your microwave popcorn. Oh, why is that man so wrinkly? Wrinkly? I think he is retired. Aisle five, gentle thingies. Oh, here they are. A whole row. There is a plethora of popcorn choices. Look, Jolly Time, Jiffy Pop. Oh, my. I think I see the old man from the front of the store. Yes, the same glasses and everything. I will name him Orville. Orville Redenbacher. I think we should pop it now. Yes, get out your phasers and set them to microwave. Here we go. Oh my. Oh. Only popping small little yellow vegetables, Bob. Ooh. Popcorn. Trex and sci-fi. Coming. <laughs> yeah, Bob and Gebular, so much fun. Hey, welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly geeky podcast and Star Trek love fest, like I like to call it. Uh, today is, what is today? My goodness, June 6th. Yes, June 6th, 2010. This will be podcast 282 for Treks in Sci-Fi. Rico back, of course. Uh, in Rockford, uh, podcasting from the relatively new place. Uh, once again, I've done, I guess, only one other show right now from here, the the Empire Strikes Back one a couple weeks back. Uh, oh, back, 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 back. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a good show, or I'm going to do a good show. You're going to listen to a good show today on Treks and Sci-Fi. We're going to be looking at the episode uh, from Deep Space Nine called In the Pale Moonlight. This is one of the later season episodes, I think season six, and it is the one that involves uh, Cisco's uh, sort of kind of underhanded in a way, um, uh, the way he basically gets the Romulans to enter the war uh, that's going on uh, during that era of Deep Space Nine with the Dominion and all that. So this is an interesting episode, something Joe on the forums or Billy Bob uh, suggested, and it's something that I've been wanting to cover, too, for a little bit, like I say many times. You know, I, all the Trek episodes are probably worth covering at some point, even the, the clunkers, because those are kind of fun anyway. But that will be coming up later, and I'm going to try to do a full audio one. Again, I, I the equipment here isn't the best setup like it was back at home in Michigan, but I will endeavor to make the sound quality a little bit better. Hopefully you'll be able to hear the episode a little bit more and uh, then follow along with what I'm saying. I've got a, a little uh, kind of handful of promos to play from various other podcasts that I've had a hard time getting into the show lately with uh, everything that's been going on for me, uh, and that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> 
Oh boy, busy, busy life. Uh, you know, sometimes I think if it, if it slows down or just becomes not so busy that it, it may not be as interesting or, or you know, it might uh, it might be harder. You know, one thing about keeping busy when you're away from home is, is it does kind of make the time go by pretty quickly. And, uh, well, uh, I'll talk more about that on the podcast as we enter into another uh, show for Treks in Sci-Fi. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. The Grey Hot. Prepare to download my program into the autonomous emitter. Treks in Sci-Fi. Stand by to receive our transmission. Your weekly dose of sci-fi information and geeky goodness. Treks in sci-fi. brain never ceases to amaze me. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Rico. Transfer complete. Okay, I'm back. Uh, it's, um... It, it, Probably kind of early morning here on a Sunday. The windows are open. It cooled off quite a bit overnight. We had a little bit of rain and storms go through. So, again, uh, I'll have to mention that you may hear some ambient background noises, uh, birds, cars, even on the, uh, you know, maybe even a little bit of air or wind because there's a window near where I'm recording here. But it is nice to be uh, in the apartment here and not be steaming up the place like uh, it's been the last few weeks. You know, summer has really uh, already you know, shown up here in Michigan and everything, and uh, it's nice to have a relief. It's only about, uh, it's probably only in the 50s maybe-ish outside, because in the apartment right now, it's like 67 or 68, so uh, feels nice for a change, and it's very welcome. A couple of uh, Trek-related stories, Trek stories that I wanted to pass on to you for this week. Uh, one was uh, Patrick Stewart, or now Sir Patrick, uh, was knighted by the Queen of England, uh, Earlier this past week, I think I've reported on this uh, a couple of times in the past when it was just being talked about and that it was going to happen at some point, but I think it was like Tuesday this past week, uh, and there's some cool pictures. I posted it in the Trek Daily pick uh, a few days back uh, of uh, Patrick Stewart there, and you know, all dressed up, and the queen, you know, laying the sword on his shoulders. You know, one thing that's cool about, you know, England and all that, and I visited there several years back with Lynn, and, it, it, you know, every time I see things like that in this modern era, it just kind of takes you back to, like, you know, expect uh, Patrick Stewart to, you know, pull off the suit, you know, pull up a sword, jump on a horse, and take off on some quest or something. <laughs> Not that that is funny, but it's just... I, I kind of like it. It, it. It's it's sort of the you know the old guard and the old way and the new kind of together. Here you have a guy who played a, a futuristic explorer, Jean Luc Picard, a, you know, a, a captain on the Enterprise and in Star Trek: The Next Generation, 
and he's been being knighted by by the Queen of England. Uh, you know, something that's very, you know, old fashioned and and that and and I don't mean that in a bad way. Again, it's just it's a very interesting dichotomy of uh of things i i see when i see that that picture of uh you know basically captain picard there with a sword on his shoulder it's just uh and of course he played in uh what did, was he in excalibur i think he was in that movie gosh that was a good movie i gotta watch that again sometime but uh anyway so patrick stewart sir patrick and uh, congratulations to him uh on a, on a well-deserved honor hi my name is al my wife Joyce and I are serious Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the place so much we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news from the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known gems we like to call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as tips that we've picked up over the years to help you get the most out of your Disneyland vacation. So when you're done getting your geeky goodness fix from Rico, check out Tales from the Mouse House in iTunes. Live long and prosper. Sorry, had to do it. I'm a big Trex and Sci-Fi fan. Also in Trek news, there is a two-disc, two-CD disc set coming out of an expanded uh, Star Trek soundtrack from the movie, from the 2009 J.J. Abrams movie from last year. This, of course, contains many extra tracks that were not released in the original soundtrack. You know, it's kind of uh, interesting that they do this, uh, you know, and it's a limited edition. It's only 5,000 units so it's going to be, uh, I think, well worth it, to me at least. It's it's still like $30, but I will put a link in the podcast notes about that if you want to order your copy, and you probably should because it's a limited edition to 5000 So uh, get your order in soon. It's supposed to be shipping in about a week or two weeks, I think. It's funny. Every time I say this, that we're training people how to use lightsabers, the person in charge goes, I'm sorry, could you say that again, please? But then when they see what we're doing, I mean, especially when you put a lightsaber in somebody's hands, everybody does the same thing. Oh my god, this is so cool. There's a tendency to believe that Star Wars fans are people who are kind of all consumed with Star Wars. And that does exist. Yeah, I learned early on, I'm an artist. That's what I do. It's what I'm best at. It's what I love. a script called Stuck on Star Wars, and in the script we had the characters building a life-size Millennium Falcon in their backyard. The Star Wars fans absolutely love my belly dancing routine, and when I go to the conventions, it's like I'm a celebrity. You just have to have confidence and just walk around and just know that you're going to look good. The girl that I was dating at the time, uh, when she saw that we were building a life-size Millennium Falcon, that relationship kind of ended. People who come up to you say, oh, you're dorky, you're geeky for liking this, liking Star Wars. It's like, it's no different than somebody loving a sports team, wearing a sports jersey, pretending to be Michael Jordan. It's just whatever you love and enjoy in life. My work friends call oh, you're a little bit crazy, and then say, yes, I know, but I have fun. I never see the enthusiasm for Star Wars ending. It literally is lightning in a bottle. You can't get it again, and once you get it, you don't let it go. That uh, 
fan film, I don't know, not really a fan film, but a film about fans of Star Wars called Jedi Junkies is available now uh, over at iTunes for download, I, I think. And I think it's also on Amazon. I'll put links to it, to it in the um, podcast notes for this week. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it looks really good. And I'm hoping to have a giveaway for that sometime soon uh, for a digital download. But uh, check it out uh, when you get a chance. Well, I'm slowly uh, catching up on some uh, missed TV shows, and I still, uh, I, I'm still, I'm uh, still kind of undecided whether to finish out uh, watching um, Flash Forward. I probably will at some point. Uh, actually, Lynn told me a little bit about how it ended up, and it's kind of really sad. I thought that that was a great concept for a TV show, and I thought it was very well done and acted. I think in the middle. It kind of suffered for uh, for a few things that was that were going on. One of the biggest things to me was it was gone for several uh, months, and I think with a show like that, with all the detail they were putting into it, was it was just kind of a death blow to it. I I, I still think uh, shows should just follow the twenty four that started. I think an alias did this, where they basically bring the show on later in the year, but they then. They will uh, play the whole show, you know, or the the season continuously. There's no breaks and all that. You know, TV shows like uh, V did the same thing. And I haven't been nearly as interested in that show as I was Flash Forward. That's also one that I kind of fizzled out on a little bit, although I might pick it up and and, and finish the last few episodes that I missed so far on, on Hulu because that did get renewed. And although I think it's going to be a little delayed for its return next fall, I think I heard something it's going to come back a little later uh, in the year, perhaps, uh, which, again, I don't get it. I mean, if you're going to renew it, don't you really want to put some steam behind it? Maybe that was not true. Maybe it will be back in the fall. I don't know exactly. Uh, try to dig up more on that. Um, also, just watch the last episode. Unfortunately, last episode, I guess, ever of Legend of the Seeker. This, I, I you know, I've talked about this show quite a few times, I think, on the podcast. Uh, I'd love to do a whole podcast on it at some point. It, it, to me, there, you know, it's a real rarity to have a cool fantasy uh, series about magic and swordplay and all that on on TV. They they had some, you know, maybe five, ten years back, the Hercules and Xena uh, group, and those. They, they had their serious moments, but they were a little tongue-in-cheek, and uh, I think, you know, Legend of the Seeker, to me, is the first time they've done a, a pretty serious fantasy series on, on television, and it was just beautifully shot. Uh, I like the acting, the actors. Uh, it's really going to be missed, and, and I think they, at least they had a chance to kind of end it pretty well. I wasn't quite sure when I watched the finale, and I'll have to read up on some of the Seeker websites out there, but it was a little tricky to tell whether they knew when they did the finale that that was their last episode ever or that it was just the last episode of the season. I, I will say without giving away things, if people have, have, uh, haven't watched it yet that are fans of the series, it does kind of resolve things pretty well for this, this season at least, so you're not really left hanging too much. But it, I don't think they really knew at the time when they filmed it and did it that it was their last episode, because I think they would have done a little bit more with it and, and maybe put something more into it. Uh, not that it was bad. I liked the finale. I think they did a good job, and it kind of uh, it was a good ending to the season. But it was a little sad that we didn't get a little bit more of the future of Richard and Kaylin and Zed and, and everyone else uh, in that realm uh, of, of The Seeker. So I will miss that show quite a bit. When you're bored, where do you want to go? Nowhere. Who do you feel like seeing? No one. Boredom hurts in so many ways. 
dull, restless, lack of imagination. Dirty Boxers can help. Dirty Boxers is a light-hearted daily show exploring the world around us in an entertaining but pointless manner. Covering tech, gizmos and gadgets, random politics, general UK stuff, music, scouting, depression and unspecific student life rubbish. Tell your iTunes right away if your boredom worsens, you have unusual changes in behaviour or you suddenly realise it is a podcast labelled explicit. Listeners should not subscribe to Dirty Boxers if they are easily offended, have high blood pressure or a weak heart. Some listeners may experience temporary blindness, comical male baldness, DVT, runny nose, cubic lice and a rare allergic reaction to cheese. Not suitable for asthmatics, diabetics, bedwetters or the Chinese. All subjects and commentary featured should be deemed untruths until proven otherwise. Some other minor side effects could include nausea, vomiting, growth of additional breasts, arms and hands, short, bittery spouts of homosexuality, DTS, man flu, and being struck by lightning. Some or all views may not reflect those of the Scout Association, the Boy Scouts of America, their partners or affiliates. Only available in English and loose English at that. Ask your iTunes to see if Dirty Boxers is right for you. To find out more, go to www.dirtyboxers.co.uk. Well, uh, even though I have moved apartments and things are progressing pretty well on on both uh, living here in Rockford away from home and uh, the whole uh, job situation, jobs going still well here at Tester, uh, everything there is good. And there's a few other little things going on too, but um, I am still looking for a car. <laughs> I uh, My lease is up, I've, I've mentioned this, and, and we're getting off sci-fi, but this is my uh, you know, just kind of what's going on with Rico segment of Treks in Sci-Fi. So, uh, but I think I have it zeroed in on, and uh, probably next week on the podcast, I, I may have, I may even have my new car by then. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with an Ultima Coupe, a two-door Ultima Nissan. Uh, it will be the first sort of non-American car that I've ever had or bought. Uh, I, I, for years, I, I said I would never do that. Uh, it isn't a big deal so much anymore. These days, there's such a, a mashup of, of where parts are made for both American domestics, let's say, and, and overseas cars. And, and, you know, even when I went to, uh, I've been driving a lot of different things, as you guys have probably heard before. But on the stickers on some of these cars, like Honda, I noticed they even have, you know, percentage of, of American-made parts, you know, on the car. And it was like 75 or 80 percent. I'm not sure about Nissan, but I've gotten to the point that uh, I was trying to, you know, living in the Detroit area and the Motor City and trying to, especially since I've got people, my my Lynn's brother, my brother-in-law works for General Motors and I've tried to stay behind them. But man, when they got rid of Pon- both Pontiac and Saturn, the two GM brands that I was always most interested in, it was, uh, for me at least, it led me to, to look elsewhere. You know, I toyed with the idea of going back to GM or even getting another G6, uh, one that's a year or two old, but a new car, I've looked at those. But it, ultimately, it came down to a combination of features and look and, and, and just a lot of things. I'll probably have more to say about it if I do this car uh, next week on the podcast, but uh, I think that's where I'm headed, and uh, I think the car will be good. I, I've test-driven them, and I, I'm kind of... It's both a. I have a hard time sort of letting go of things, especially this car that I have now has been something I've really enjoyed, and I, it was so much that that was true with the last car that I had too. Really enjoyed the Pontiac Grand Prix that I had. It was a great car. Uh, loved driving it and all that. So I, I, but I did find out that the next car that I got, since I looked quite a bit, and that I enjoyed it just as much or maybe even more. So I'm hoping that all my research and looking around it will i'll end up with the same situation where i'll get this new car and after a short very short time of driving it around and having it that i love it just as much as the car that i have now i've uh well it's 
you know, some people it's just a, you know, you get in, it's four wheels, an engine, it's a, it's a mode of transportation, but the cost, and, and for me, I, I really enjoy driving most of the time, except when I get into huge traffic jams, like last week's drive back to Rockford, where it took me two extra hours to get, get here. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. But, uh, you know, for me, I, it's more important, especially with this driving cross state, uh, you know, every few weeks, important for me to have something that I really like driving, I think is a, is a cool looking car. Uh, that may sound kind of petty. I don't know. Eh, maybe that's not the right word. But you spend a lot of money on these things. And I plan on this car. I'm buying it. I'm not leasing. I plan on keeping it a very long time. So I want to be happy with it. And that's probably a lot more than <laughs> I wanted to say or needed to say about my car uh, decision-making process uh, and all that. But, uh, you know, it helps to discuss this stuff, especially on the podcast. And especially since I've got no one else to talk to about it here in Rockford. No, anyway, Kaylee's not even here. Uh, but uh, that's the scoop, I think, and whatever it is. And now somebody's mowing the lawn, so I'm going to maybe try to shut a window. And then I'm going to get into the Deep Space Nine episode. But first, here's another, uh, I think, a, another podcast promo that I wanted to play this week. Hey, Andrew, did uh, Rico say anything specific in regards to the SEO Logs promo? Um, not that I can think of. Let me check the email real quick. Okay, uh, if, if he does anything specific, let me know. Uh, but I think we should really start off with introducing ourselves. I'll, I'll say, like, Kevin and Andrew, we're SEOlogs.com. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I think we should introduce this as the Andrew and Kevin Star Trek Online podcast. Well, we can we can definitely discuss that later. That's really not important. But uh, I'll introduce ourselves, and then I'll go into the news, tips, tricks, the community. Um, we'll go oh, into... Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I should do the community stuff because I am more of a people person. Well, uh, you don't even know what we have for the community-based stuff, so I'll discuss more. Yes, yes, I do. Let's see. We have the call-ins. We have the email and messaging that they can send us. We also have the forms, all of which can be found on the STO Logs website. Okay. So you know what we have, but uh, how about we just let you thank Rico for, for having us on his, his podcast? Well, yeah. I mean, we've got to thank Rico because it, for creating the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast and for the Trex and Sci-Fi community, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, is this going to make us part of Rico's Roughnecks? That's Starship Troopers. This is Star Trek. Oh, okay. Well, we can just thank him anyway. Right. E even though I, I love Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, time to get into the episode In the Pale Moonlight. This, again, is a sixth season episode of Deep Space Nine. It first aired in, let's see, April of 1998. Wow, long time ago, it seems now. This episode, I'm going to give you a little bit before we get into playing it, too, but the, actually the title I wanted to mention first, that is actually a reference to, if you know the original Batman film with uh, Michael Keaton, uh, there's a line that's used in that movie a few times uh, in relation to the Joker, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And that's a reference to, you know, dancing with the devil here, in this case is the Romulans, and uh, so that's where they got the title from, in the pale moonlight, from that line through the uh, Batman film, which I thought was pretty interesting. There's a lot of really interesting stuff and background things on this episode that I'll be talking about as we go. Uh, a lot of this reference I've been getting lately for Trek. I have some companion books back at the house in Michigan, but uh, I don't have them with me. So a lot of the things I've been pulling up for different episodes um, 
since I've been in Illinois, uh, is from the uh, awesome website memory-alpha.org. It's a Trek wiki that every Star Trek fan should have a bookmark for. Lots of great reference information here on on Star Trek, all the series, and uh, everything very nicely cross-referenced. It's it's a very well-done website. Uh, I know it's won some awards, so check that out. But uh, let's get into In the Pale Moonlight uh, from Deep Space... (laughs) More Gatorade, please. Uh, From Deep Space Nine. Captain's personal log. Stardate 517... 517... 4? Computer, what day is it? Stardate 517-21.3. It's only been two weeks. Alright, here we get into the episode now. Trying to adjust the volume. I need to talk about this. I have to justify what's happened. What I've done. At least to myself. I can't talk to anyone else. Not even to Dax. I like the way this episode Maybe starts out. Very different and I like mind, it quite a bit. It'll finally make sense. I can see where it all went wrong. Where I went wrong. I suppose it started two weeks ago. While I was posting the weekly casualty list in the wardroom. Every Friday morning for the past three months, I've posted the official list of Starfleet personnel killed, wounded, or missing in the war. It's become something of a grim ritual around here. Not a week goes by that someone doesn't find the name of a loved one, a friend, or an acquaintance on that damned list. I've grown to hate Fridays. Again, I, I like, again, the way this is starting, uh, you, sort of a flashback a little bit. She was an instructor at the academy when I was a sophomore. Do you know what happened to the Cairo? Oh, just that she disappeared on patrol in the Romulan neutral zone. I'll look into it. Don't bother. I'm sure it's the same old story. The Jem'Hadar crossed the Romulan border and caught them by surprise. It's only about the hundredth time it's happened. I can't believe the Romulans allow them to violate their territory so brazenly. Why do they get away with it? The Romulans have a treaty of non-aggression and friendship with the Dominion, so they're willing to turn a uh, blind eye to Probably not for very long. Friendship. What we need to do is bring the Romulans into the war on our side. With the combined forces of the Federation, the Klingons, and the Romulans, we can finally go on the offensive. That's the last thing the Romulans want. Think about it. They're in the perfect position. They get to sit back and watch as their biggest rivals slug it out in a long, bloody war. Yeah, it's a smart no move. No one's threatening their interests. Why should they risk their necks? There's simply no reason for them to get involved in our war. No reason at all. That was the moment I made the decision. It was like I had stepped through a door and locked it behind me. I was going to bring the Romulans into the war. Okay, try to dial this down just a little bit to give you some background information. The uh, teleplay for this is uh, listed actually by Michael uh, uh, Michael Taylor, but it really is a Ron Moore uh, teleplay and story that's um, interesting. He worked a lot on this story and script. They changed it. The... Uh, the story, though, is about a guy named Peter Allen Fields. He did the story for it originally. 
basically what you have sort of is a political intrigue type of episode involving the war with the Dominion and trying to bring in the Romulans, like Cisco said, they're into the war. This has happened in real life, you know, uh, in a number of instances. And in the uh, wiki, uh, they reference that things involving Vietnam. Uh, and again, this is uh, Star Trek has always tried to parallel things like that in real life in their uh, episodes that they've done. And I think they do it to good effect here. You know, it's a it's a very dangerous little line that you you're crossing when you do something like that. Uh, and it may be for the greater good, but you know, kind of what what's the price for what you're doing? The original story actually for this involved Jake Sisko. Jake was going to be investigating what was going on and some of the behind-the-scenes things and trying to interview Garrick and a lot of uh, a lot of what he knows. Of course, Garrick has a lot of knowledge that people uh, don't really realize. And this was going to cause a conflict between Jake and uh, his father, but they decided that really didn't play out properly. They were such a close father and son team that it was hard to break them up. So it's... Anyway, I'm going to get back to the episode now. Okay. Let's say I'm the Romulan proconsul. From where I'm sitting, the Dominion isn't a threat to me. I have a non-aggression pact with them. They are my allies. You're not going to put your faith in some piece of paper, are you? Not at all. I've been watching them very closely since the beginning of the war, and so far, they've kept their part of the bargain. They're violating your territory almost every day. What kind of an ally is that? So they're crossing my backyard to give the Federation a bloody nose. I can't say that makes me feel very sad. You can't be naive enough to think that the Dominion is going to stop with the Federation. When they're finished with us, they're coming after you. That's speculation. The Founders see it as their sacred duty to bring order to the galaxy. Their order. Do you think they'll sit idly by while you keep your chaotic empire right next to their perfect order? No. If you watch us go under, then what you're really doing is signing your own death warrant. But before I plunge my people into a conflict that will kill millions of loyal Romulan citizens, I need something more concrete than the self-serving argument of a Starfleet officer. I need proof of Dominion duplicity. Not more words. Proof. Yeah, I like, again, the way they're handling this episode and that that discussion there between Dax and Cisco. Very and good, old man. You would have made a decent Romulan. I prefer the spots to the pointed ears. <sighs> okay, you've convinced me. They're going to need evidence. But if there is evidence of a Dominion plan to attack Romulus, it's probably buried deep in the bowels of their headquarters on Cardassia Prime. Not exactly the most accessible place in the galaxy. Yeah, but there's somebody that might be able to get them in there. Not for us, maybe. But there is someone on this station who specializes in gaining access to places where he is not welcome. Ah, <laughs> uh, Garrick, I'm my flattered captain. Favorite, no just one of my favorites. Such a lofty opinion of me. Andrew and Robinson. My ability to retrieve classified information from my former homeland is most gratifying. Mr. Garrick, let's dispense with the usual repartee and concentrate on the issue at hand. Can you do it or not? Well, of course no he can do it. No one wants to see the Dominion destroyed more than I do. But to go to Cardassia Prime, penetrate one of the most heavily guarded facilities in the Quadrant, steal top secret war plans and then return them safely to you it's a piece of cake right another job 
It's more like a suicide mission. And that is well outside my field of expertise. I didn't say you had to go there yourself. I have to believe that a man like you still has a few contacts at home. A colleague. He's just a simple tailor. Come on now. An old friend. A reliable informant. Someone who might owe you a favor. Perhaps. Then I'd say it's time to call in a favor. It would mean calling in all my favors, Captain. To do what you're asking would use up every resource I have left on Cardassia. And it may be. Yeah, why should I do a it? A very messy, very bloody business. Are you prepared for that? I posted my 14th casualty list this morning. I'm already involved in a very messy, very bloody business. And the only way I can see to end it is to bring the Romulans into the war. I am prepared to do whatever it takes to accomplish that goal. But I can't do it alone. I need help. Now, are you in or out? I'm in. My father used to say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I laid the first stone right there. Another good line and very true I've for this episode myself. and what he's doing. I'd pay any price. Go to any lengths, because my cause was righteous. My intentions were good. In the beginning, that seemed like enough. So, you know, it's nice to see this conflict that Cisco is going through. It's that bad news invariably comes in the middle of the night. Care to Captain Cisco. Go ahead, Major. We just received a priority one communication from Starfleet Command. The Dominion has invaded Beta Z. Now that's an interesting point. According to initial reports, the invasion force they had must decided have come from or in the trying to decide between Vulcan and Beta Z of where the Dominion was going to start to invade. So they they picked Beta Z. You know, they really thought Vulcan was just a little too hard to believe. And its outlying colonies, but it was caught out of position on a training exercise. What's worse, Beta Z's own defense systems are obsolete and undermanned. The planet was theirs in less than ten hours. With Beta Z in the hands of the Jem'Hadar, the Dominion is in a position to threaten Vulcan and or Teller, Alpha Centauri. If we ever needed a new ally, it's right now. Yeah, so this is, you know, they use this to kind of push him over a little bit more over the edge and realize they got to do something drastic. It's been three days. Have you made any progress? Well, I suppose that depends on how you look at it. This is how I look at it. Beta Z has just fallen to the Dominion, and we need to get this operation underway. I share your desire for swift action, Captain. In fact, after our last conversation, I made a few discreet inquiries among my former associates still living on Cardassian. As I anticipated, they shared my loathing for the current government and were willing to take on any assignment aimed at its destruction. That sounds like progress to me. Doesn't it? Unfortunately, they're all dead now. What? Yes. All killed within one day of speaking with me. I suppose that's a testament to the effectiveness of Dominion security. 
one should admire such efficiency. Yeah, so this is not going well. And I hope you're not giving up that easily. After all, the stakes are much higher than a few dead operatives. The fate of the entire quadrant hangs in the balance. Or at least that's the case you made to me. Do you have another plan? As a matter of fact, I do. But I suspect you won't like it. Try me. If you want to guarantee that we obtain evidence of a Dominion plot to attack the Romulans, I suggest that we manufacture that evidence ourselves. Maybe I should have put a stop to it right there. Maybe I should have said, thank you very much for your... It's a brilliant idea, out. really, when you think about it. I would suggestion under advisement and gone back to my office and forgotten the whole thing, but I didn't. Because in my heart, I knew what he was saying made sense. His name is Vrinek. He's been a key member of the Romulan Senate for the past 14 years. He's secretary of the War Plans Council, vice chairman of the Tal Shiar, and one of the most trusted advisors to proconsul Neral. He's also the man that negotiated the non-aggression pact with the Dominion. Since you're familiar with him, I'll skip the rest of his biography. What's important is that he continues to be one of the most ardently pro-Dominion voices in the Senate. If we can convince him that the Dominion is a threat, the rest of the Senate will follow. All right, how? Ten days from now, Senator Vrinek will be making a trip to Sakara for a diplomatic meeting with Wei Yun. I am certain that he can be persuaded to make a secret detour to DS9 if he were invited by one Captain Benjamin Sisko. How do you know he'll be visiting Sakara? There are some things I'd rather not discuss. May I continue? <laughs> Please. When Senator Vrinek uh, arrives, you will show him a holographic recording of a secret meeting held at the highest level of the Dominion in which the planned invasion of Romulus is being discussed. You will tell the Senator that this information was obtained through various covert means at great cost to the Federation. At, at least ten good men lost their lives bringing it across the line, that sort of thing. He will immediately... Many Bothans died for this. But you will assure him that such a thing would be impossible. You see, Senator, this is an official Cardassian transcript. It was recorded on a one-time optolithic data rod used for official record-keeping. These rods are manufactured only as needed on Cardassia Prime. Information can only be transcribed on them once and then cannot be altered. He'll want to examine it. Of course. And he will discover to his amazement that it is completely genuine. At least, so it will appear. But in reality? Of course, it it's not genuine. genuine optolithic data rod. But it will contain one of the most perfect forgeries ever fashioned. I'm still working on obtaining the data rod, but I have found the man who will create the hollow recording. You realize I can't authorize a thing like this on my own. I have to clear it with Starfleet Command. Of course. But I suspect that with the fall of Beta Z, they'll be ready to do whatever it takes to bring the Romulans into the war. Or will they? You know, that's an interesting question. I'll let you know. Uh, one last thing, Captain. Uh, the man we need to forge this hollow program is currently sitting in a Klingon prison awaiting execution. To save time and, incidentally, his life, I thought that perhaps you could contact Chancellor Gowron today and arrange a pardon? What's his name? Graython Tolar. I cannot tell you how grateful I am, Captain. Well, that was quick. The Klingons were going to execute me tomorrow. 
Of course, they say that every day. It's one of the little games they like to play. <laughs> you do understand the terms of your parole? Oh, yes. I have to promise to stay away from the Klingon Empire. <laughs> That'll be tough. This guy is an <laughs> actor named Howard Shangra. Seems familiar to me. Special hollow program for you. <laughs> well, I can hardly wait. I've never worked for Starfleet before. Let's be very clear about this. You're not really you're working, not working for Starfleet. <laughs> for us. This entire matter is off the record. Yes. As far as you're concerned, you're working for me. Oh, a personal matter. <laughs> Something special for your eyes only. <laughs> Something with perhaps five or six Orion slave girls and uh <laughs> Mr. Tolar, I suggest you go and wait in your quarters. Mr. Garrick will provide you with all the information you need. Garrick is here? That's right. Oh. Oh. Well. <laughs> that's different. I'll wait in my quarters. Why I didn't listen to the voice in the back of my mind telling me not to believe a word he said, I'll never know. But it didn't take long for me to come face to face with the fact that I'd made a mistake. Odo to the captain. Go yep. ahead, constable. I'm sorry to disturb you, but do you know a man named Graython Tolar? Yes, why do you ask? Because he just tried to kill Quark. Well, that's, uh, that's probably a little inconvenient. Sit still, Quark. You'll be fine. What happened? As I understand it, Mr. Tolar over there came in about two hours ago, ordered a bottle of whale and bitters. Fifteen minutes later, he ordered a second bottle, then a third. Halfway through his fourth bottle, he decided to dance with Impella. She was otherwise engaged, running the Dabo wheel, declined his invitation. He decided to force the issue. A brief struggle ensued, and Quark, in an uncharacteristic display of chivalry, attempted to intervene. So Tolar stabbed him. Normally, he'd be sitting in a holding cell, but he claims he's a friend of yours. He's no friend of mine, but he is working for me. It's an extremely sensitive matter concerning Federation security. I can't have any record of him being on the station. I see. I am certainly aware of the need for special security measures during wartime, but as a matter of law, if Quark chooses to press charges against Tolar, I have no choice but to make an arrest. May I speak to Quark? Again, the uh, I like the way this oh, is all working Hello, out in this episode. Had a brush with death. I like the way they use fine. the other characters too. Knife from his major organs, bleeding was superficial. Superficial. <laughs> You know how much the shirt cost? Will you excuse us for a moment, Doctor? I'll check on you tomorrow. Quark, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Just a little stabbing. Jack Bauer has that happen to him all the time. Come on now. Do you intend to press charges? You bet I do. Well, maybe... What will it take? Um, maybe not, please, okay? You know? To uh, convince you otherwise. Are you offering me a bribe? I knew it. Captain, I've always liked you. I suspected that somewhere deep down in your heart of hearts there was a tiny bit of Ferengi just waiting to get out. What's your price? 
Well, let's start with replacing my clothes and Impella's clothes. All right. I'm not finished. <laughs> of course he's not. He's I a Ferengi. I think I should be compensated for the loss of business I suffered today, which I calculate as no less than five bars of gold-pressed latinum. Yeah, just Done. replicate him. I'm also having I guess a they can't replicate that. Security. Right? Uh, they're holding some cargo containers, which I've been waiting for because of some missing import license or something. I'll handle it. Anything else? No. I think we can call it a bribe. And thank you, Captain. Thank you for restoring my faith in the 98th rule of acquisition. Every man has his price. And that has a nice little double meaning, you know, in a way here. In other words, Cisco that making this deal with the devil is 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 really sacrificing wonder, his whole moral code, really. This whole thing was a mistake. And so it, as he records this, office. he pulls off more and more of his uniform. He's more uncomfortable, there, and, and that's, again, a, a good job by Avery Brooks. Waiting for me. People are dying out there every day. He's trying to justify this. Entire worlds are struggling for their freedom. And here I am, still worrying about the finer points of morality. But no, I... I had to keep my eye on the ball, winning the war, stopping the bloodshed. Those were the priorities. So I pushed on. And every time another doubt appeared before me, I just found another way to shove it aside. He's just so so good in this episode. Avery Brooks is fantastic here. Ops. Oh, and the less I'm seen parading through Ops, the better. I couldn't agree more. You seem angry. Who's watching Tola? I've locked him in his quarters. I've also left him with the distinct impression that if he attempts to force the door open, it may explode. I hope that's just an impression. Oh, of it's course, Captain. not to dwell on such minutiae. In any case, we have far more important matters to discuss. I've located a gentleman willing to sell us a genuine optolithic data rod. How do you know it's genuine? I trust the source, but rest assured, I will confirm the rod's authenticity before I make payment, which brings me to you. How much does he want? I'm afraid he's not interested in latinum. The gentleman in question has requested to be compensated with 200 liters of biomimetic gel. What? I don't know why exactly. One would assume it has something to do with genetic experimentation. Offer him something else? Uh, believe me, I wouldn't be relaying this request if I thought he'd take something else. Biomimetic gel is strictly controlled by the Federation and not for sale at any price. Find someone else who's willing to sell us a rod. I wasn't exaggerating when I told you about the near impossibility of obtaining a genuine Cardassian data rod. It's something of a minor miracle that I was able to locate this one source. I'm virtually... Each certain. time, you know, he's getting I deeper and deeper, another. compromising more and more. We'll either give him what he wants or forget the whole enterprise. Yeah, it really brings up a good, you but know, let's forget about morality it. thing. About like what what oh, price would you pay for doing something like this? Is, is out of the question. There's not that much gel in the entire sector. I believe the quantity is open to negotiation. 
Captain, biomimetic gel is an extremely dangerous compound, as you know. I can't release it without at least some idea of where it's going. In the wrong hands, it could be used to make biogenic weapons, or for illegal replication experiments, or to develop organic explosives. Perhaps I didn't make myself clear, Doctor. This is not a request, it's an order. You will package 85 liters of biomimetic gel for interstellar transport and deliver them to Cargo Bay 3. Is that understood? Yes. You really, Julian, please, sir. Julian, you just really don't want to know why. I thought you might. You should know that I shall note this in my log and file an official protest with Starfleet Medical. That is your right, but I want the gel by the end of the day. Dismissed. So again, another sort of bridge slightly burned there. Two ahead of schedule. The invasion of Romulus. It's too soon. We're engaged in heavy fighting all along the border with the Federation. The Klingons are preparing to go on the offensive and... Fortunately, the Founders have better vision than you do. They can see the opportunities before us even when you cannot. Jeffrey Combs here as Wayun, always good. The Romulans... Played Tran on Enterprise. ...from Cardassia. The bulk of the Romulan fleet is still deployed along the neutral zone with the Federation. The Founders estimate we could be on Romulus itself in less than three weeks. Three weeks? I heard the same kind of estimates before we attacked the Federation. Those plans were ruined by the incompetency of your predecessor. Gul Dukat is a great man. Gul Dukat is a preening egotist and a fool. We offered him unchallenged control of the Alpha Quadrant and all he could think about was his daughter. <laughs> so right now you have uh, what this is, is, a, is the fake scene That's that Garrick is watching. Program. And that's all the new material. The rest of the program plays exactly as you saw before. What do you think? It's better. They seem more real. Yes, and all I had to do was add a little petty bickering and mutual loathing. So, you are happy? It's satisfactory. You may record the program onto the data rod now. I received a message. Senator Vreenak is on the way. Excellent. Done. <laughs> Who gets it? Just put it in the case. <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure doing business with you, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Maybe... Call me again if you ever... You're not going anywhere. What? What do you mean? I mean you're not leaving until your work is accepted by our client. But that isn't fair. You can't keep me here against my will. I haven't done anything wrong. We had an agreement. I'm making a new agreement. If that program passes inspection, you walk free. But if there is even the slightest flaw... And I will send you back to that Klingon prison and tell Galran to take his time while he executes you. All right. It will pass. You'll see. It will pass. I sincerely hope so. Yes, he, you now, should. Now, why don't you go back to your quarters? I'll be along shortly to say hello.
uh, so many little things that pop into mind when they're watching this. That's like uh, you know the, the Lando and Darth Vader. He keeps altering this agreement. Starting to get to me, but I was off the hook. Starfleet Command had given the plan their blessing, and I thought that would make things easier. Yeah, but it was your idea, and you were the one doing it. But I was the one who had to make it happen. I was the one who had to look Senator Vrenak in his eye and convince him that a lie was the truth. So while you're entertaining the senator in the boardroom, I'll take the opportunity to make a quick search of his ship's database. By the way, if you want to watch this episode, I have it streaming on the Treks in Sci-Fi forums right now. Oh, I think that's highly unlikely. I doubt the senator will be traveling with more than four bodyguards at the most. Two will stand watch outside the wardrobe, and two will stay in the landing bay. I assure you, They'll never know I was even near their ship. Just make sure you don't get caught. Uh, Deep Space Nine, such a Report. great Section series, and, and really interesting to watch these episodes again after a few years. At every entry point, and I have personally scanned all compartments for signs of surveillance equipment. Makes me uh, makes me miss the fact we have we don't have Trek on TV. No one is to enter this area except Mr. Garrick and myself. Or at least I mean a new TV series. Worf never likes Garrick at all. He finds him unhonorable. Should I reply? No reply, Major. Cisco out. I think they've actually made this episode and dimmed the lighting a little bit and made it even darker. I think just because it's such a sort of a spy-ish type of uh, tale they're telling, and I think it fits. There's a cool scene here too, where they're bringing in this ship in the docking bay. You don't get to see this kind of uh, an effect on Deep Space Nine very often. They're lowering it down. Garrick and Cisco are there. Of course, it looks like there's nothing, but it's a Romulan ship. Keep in mind. Almost looks like a little mini bird of prey here. I'll take a little my scout ship. Now, Captain. Oh, and one last thing. Vrenak believes he's on the winning side, so until you can prove otherwise, you may have to put up with a certain acerbic attitude. Uh, Mr. Garrick, after having spent a week with you, I have developed a very, very thick skin. <laughs> good luck. Ah, uh, that's good. They really make a pretty good team, Cisco and Garrick, too, you know. Vrenik here is played by a great actor, Stephen McCaddy. Really good good Welcome job. Board, Senator. I'm Captain Benjamin Cisco. So, you're the commander of Deep Space Nine. And the emissary to the Prophets, decorated combat officer, widower, father, mentor. And oh yes, the man who started the war was a Dominion. So I thought you'd be taller. Sorry to disappoint you. To be honest, my opinion of Starfleet officers is so low, you'd have to work very hard indeed to disappoint me. If you'll come with me, I'll show you to your quarters. I look forward to seeing your station while it's still here, that is. Where the war's going with the Federation may not be around much longer.
Actually, uh, Avery Brooks is pretty tall. I think he's about six, six foot, six one, something like that. He's a little taller than Breenick. Somewhat lacking in aroma. They're having some Romulan ale. Should forcibly open oh, it's not that, even though it's blue. Sip. We don't have much experience in replicating Romulan beverages. Of course, all of that would change if we became allies instead of cold warriors. You are persistent, Captain, I'll grant you that. But dogged determination isn't enough to change the reality of your situation. Time is definitely not on your side. The Dominion shipyards are operating at 100% capacity. Yours are still being rebuilt. The Dominion is breeding legions of Jemadar soldiers every day. Yeah. Experiencing a manpower shortage. Uh, I, well, that's kind of why we got you here, you know? Uh, you guys got some people we could maybe use, and, you know, the Dominion they're pretty effective in a fight. To win the war at any cost. You and I both know the Federation has already put out peace feelers. Now, in all candor, if you were in my position, which side would you choose? I'd pick the side most likely to leave us in peace when the dust settles. Yes, exactly. Maybe you're right. Be on the side Maybe of the, the people you want to be in charge. The then the Founders will control what we now call Cardassia, the Klingon Empire, and the Federation. So, instead of facing three separate opponents, with three separate agendas, you'll find yourselves facing the same opponent on every side. There's a word for that. Surrounded. It really is a good replica. The Roma started to grow on me. For a moment there, I almost forgot it wasn't the real thing. But only for a moment. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. I'm kind of wondering why they had this talk so much and why they didn't just say, hey, we've got some evidence we want to show you, but I, I guess they had to work their way what up to I that. What if I told you that the Dominion is planning a sneak attack on the Romulan Empire at this very moment? I'd want proof. Well, yeah, of course. And with the Cardassian Fourth Order protecting their flank, the 23rd Jemadar Division will begin its thrust across the Glentora sector. They should begin the invasion of Romulus on the following day. Now he's showing the, uh, the this data rod to Organized resistance will Greenick. crumble when outlying systems and colonies begin looking out for themselves. Consolidation of the entire empire will take three months at most. What if the Romulan fleet react faster than you're anticipating? What if they pull all of their forces away from the Federation border at the first sign of our attack? I place my faith in the Founders. They say the Romulans are not ready for war and will not react fast enough once it begins. Now, do you wish to dispute their judgment? No, of course not. I serve the Founders. As do we all. Meeting adjourned. I'd like to examine that data rod. Well, of course, it, since we spent such a hard, you know, amount of time making it for you, and uh, Cisco keeps a very, you know, even expression during this whole thing. He doesn't gloat like, That's "Hey, I could do." Here's this evidence. Let's wait. 
he's pretty good at see how got a pretty good poker face Tolar's forgery really was of course it's um it, it's so really tricky here and and he's trying to catch up on my pretty worked up over the whole thing still he's drinking now into the in this recording he's making and but I, I found it very difficult to focus on criminal activity reports huh cargo manifests this has really uh, affected so him quite a bit that he'll never quite be the same out of the window I'm not an impatient man I'm not one to agonize over decisions once they're made. That's the that best way to be. Yep. He always says, worry and doubt are the greatest enemies of a great chef. The souffle will either rise or it won't. There's not a damn thing you can do about it, so you might as well just sit back and wait and see what happens. This time, the cost of failure was so high. Yeah, that souffle is pretty important this time. I found it difficult to take his advice. If Vrenik discovered that the data rod was a forgery, if he realized that we were trying to trick them into the war, it could push the Romulans even farther into the enemy camp. They could start to openly help the Dominion. If worse came to worst, they could actually join the war against us. Yeah, had the distinct feeling that, that was a big, or defeat a big issue, a big problem, wasn't it? And now he's meeting Vrenik. It's a fake. What? Oh, really? Well, we didn't. What? We didn't know that. Yeah. So it all blew up in my face. And all the lies and compromises, the inner doubts and rationalizations, all for nothing. Vrenak was furious. I can't say I blamed him. I'd have reacted the same way. I guess the idea of pulling off the clothes here slowly and, and drinking was the director's idea for Cisco. Vile deception to Works really well, I think. Quadrant. He got back in his shuttle and headed home. There didn't seem to be anything more to do. So ah, don't work. give up quite yet. Two days later, I got the news. No one for me today. I had one. Maria Tatalia, wounded in action. Friend? Friend of a friend. Actually, only met her once. I don't think she'd remember me. Friend of a friend between the two of us. Well, I know it sounds a bit strange, but I'd say we're off to a pretty good start today. Captain. We just received word from Starfleet Intelligence that a Romulan shuttlecraft carrying a high-ranking senator has just been destroyed. Which senator? Senator Vrenak. He was returning to Romulus from a diplomatic mission to Saqqara when his shuttle exploded. The Tal Shiar are investigating, but preliminary reports point to sabotage. They believe that the Dominion is responsible. The Dominion assassinated a Romulan senator. On a diplomatic mission. That changes everything. Yeah. They even bring the Romulans into the war. Excuse me. 
And now, who do you have to go see to figure out this? Cisco does not look very happy. Now he just knocked Garrick across the room. You killed him. That's right. That's what you planned to do all along, isn't it? You knew the data rod wouldn't hold up to scrutiny. You just wanted to get him on the station so that you could plant a bomb on his shuttle. It wasn't quite that simple. I did have hopes that the rod would somehow pass inspection, but I suspected that Tolar may not have been up to the task. And what about Tolar? Did you kill him too? Think of them both as tragic victims of war. <laughs> if you can allow your anger to subside for a moment, you'll see that they did not die in vain. The Romulans will enter the war. There's no guarantee of that. Oh, but I think that there is. You see, when the Tashiar finishes examining the wreckage of Renak's shuttle, they'll find the burnt remnants of a Cardassian optolithic data rod which somehow miraculously survived the explosion. After painstaking forensic examination, they'll discover that the rod contains a recording of a high-level Dominion meeting at which the invasion of Romulus was being planned. And then they'll discover that it is a fraud! Oh, I don't think they will. Because any imperfections in the forgery will appear to be a result of the explosion. Yep. So, with a seemingly legitimate rod in one hand, and a dead senator in the other, I ask you, Captain. What do you think they're going to do? What would you draw? That Vrenak obtained the rod on Sukara, and that the Dominion killed him to prevent him from returning to Romulus with it. Precisely. And the more the Dominion protests its innocence, the more the Romulans will believe they're guilty because it's exactly what the Romulans would have done in their place. Actually, I just learned something That's why you came to else me. I'll tell you in a minute about this episode. It, Captain? Because you knew I could do those things that you weren't capable of doing. Well, it worked. And you'll get what you want. A war between the Romulans and the Dominion. And if your conscience is bothering you, you should soothe it with the knowledge that you may have just saved the entire Alpha Quadrant. And all it cost was the life of one Romulan senator, one criminal, and the self-respect of one Starfleet officer. I yeah. don't know about you, Seems but I'd call pretty good deal. At 0800 hours, station time, the Romulan Empire formally declared war against the Dominion. They've already struck 15 bases along the Cardassian border. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. This may even be the turning point of the entire war. There is even a welcome to the fight party tonight in the wardroom. So, I lied. I cheated. I bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. I am an accessory to murder. But the most damning thing of I think I can live with it. And if I had to do it all over again, I would. 
Garrick was right about one thing. A guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant. So I will learn to live with it. What I was going to say is this uh, this episode is actually the highest rated episode. It had got the highest ratings when it aired uh, of all of Deep Space Nine, which I find kind of interesting, even more than the finale and some of the other great episodes that they had. I can live with it. I think it probably just his circumstance a little bit when it aired, and also th- this is a fantastic episode of DS9. Computer. Erase that entire personal log. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Erase it, erase it again, and a third time, please. And that's it. Dial down the uh, music here a little bit. So there you have episode uh, of Deep Space Nine in the Pale Moonlight. Really, just such a great character study on Cisco and with Garrick's involvement and, and, and such. You know, a morality tale about what you would do to, to, you know, save your, you know, your people, your, your, the quadrant, everything that they were uh, trying to do here to, to fight off the Dominion. Uh, they had to lie, cheat, you know, steal, kill to do that. And, and it's, like he says, it's, you know, maybe a small price to pay for, for being able to fight and, and win the war that they had going on. So it, Really, really uh, great episode, uh, and thanks, Joe, for uh, suggesting it. Definitely worthy of uh, looking at for Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm going to take a short break, and I'll be back and wrap up today's podcast. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. I'm Moyer777 on the Treks in Sci-Fi forums. Hi, all my fellow Treks in Sci-Fi listeners. Hope everybody's having an awesome day. Listen, I just wanted to do some brief comments on the Deep Space Nine episode in the Pale Moonlight. Um, This episode was, I don't know, there was something about it that I really liked. I think probably because it was from like a diary or a a video blog type of of, uh, perspective from Cisco. And I just I enjoy the way that he told the story, story looking at the camera. It's one of the only Star Trek episodes ever done like that. I mean, I think I remember like in TNG there was that one Aquiel or whatever, where she, you know, did this um, this video thing back to her family and we watched it on the screen. But never had we had one of the characters from Star Trek just kind of sit down and share with us. And of course, um, as the story goes, uh, it was fascinating. Love the scene with Quark. Where uh, Quark had been assaulted, you know, uh, by the by the guy that was uh, doing the holodeck program, and uh, and then Cisco kind of had to eat crow, and the the moral dilemma that Cisco faced on this one was fascinating to me because he had to go against a lot of the things that he held dear to his own heart, his own morals and scruples, you know, and he had to kind of abandon some of those, and of course, as we know as the story went, uh, kind of backfired on him, but in the end, it all worked out. But you know, does Does the means justify the end? You know, that was kind of what you were left with on this particular episode. And I just liked how that toyed with just all the different things that we have in life. You know, people will do some pretty rough stuff to get to the end and have it work out the way it's supposed to. And, of course, any time that Garak Garak, Garak is on on Deep Space Nine, I love it. He's, He's just, what a wonderful actor, what a great character that is. So mysterious, but at the same time ruthless. 
and you just never know what you're going to get. And so sarcastic in his delivery. I just love that character. Um, was going to do a song, didn't have time. I was going to do um, the Doobie Brothers. Uh, instead of taking it to the streets, I was going to do um, faking it uh, for the fleet. But I didn't have time to get it done. So you'll just have to dream about that. Faking it for the fleet. Faking it for the... Yeah. Anyway, you'll just have to live with that. Probably better off that you do live without actually hearing that. <laughs> anyway, Rico, love what you do. Thank you for for doing the podcast every week in and out. Thanks to all those folks that guest host and stuff. I just love uh, Treks and Sci-Fi. So much fun to uh, tune in. I guess it's not a radio show, but it's great to download every week. It, it's kind of like a, a comfort macaroni and cheese or something like that, you know. I, yeah, I, I should quit before I just keep rambling. Anyway, thanks for everything, and hope you have a great day. Well, thanks very much, uh, Rick. Always great to hear your comments and, and your musical entries. Maybe I'll try to play a song of yours at the end of uh, this week's podcast, and so... Those are always fun to hear, but yeah, you, you're right. The you know it's a it, it boils down to the does the end justify the means about this episode and and I and I think you know given what what the, was at stake, you know you said a lot of people will do a lot of things uh, you know and, and justify it, but you know it, this the, basically the, the you know the fate of the galaxy you know well not just the whole, not the whole galaxy but the, you know where Federation and the Klingons lived you know they. And Cardassian, everyone, you know, the fate of all that, I think, makes the stakes quite a bit higher, you know, when people will lie and cheat just to get some more money or, or do whatever, I think, um, I think that's, you know, maybe a bit, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really, maybe isn't justified to do what sometimes people will do. Uh, another parallel I was just thinking of is there's this, you know, TV show, I think I've mentioned it, uh, called Breaking Bad about the chemistry, former chemistry teacher, who starts, because of the bills and the money piling up, he starts to make drugs, basically, through his chemical knowledge. It's, it's a great show, Brian Cranston. Uh, it, it's on AMC Sunday night. I think the finale is on tonight for the season, for this third season of it. But that's one of those same cases uh, of, you know, he was caught, you know, in a, a difficult situation, a very good man, but having to do some very bad things to prov- provide for his family, and, and Cisco having to do some very bad things here. I want to correct something that I said during the podcast. It's kind of hard sometimes to watch the episode and, and cite things and information at the same time and coordinate, But um, and that's my excuse for that. But anyway, I said something about it being the highest, highest rated. That was a uh, uh, based on a sci-fi entertainment poll for the series of Deep Space Nine. It was rated at the top of that poll, not the highest ratings for when the show aired, you know, not Nielsen ratings or something like that. So sorry about that. This is based on basically fans uh, saying that this was their favorite DS9 episode on this sci-fi entertainment, which I think is a is a, also a magazine, and and I think that might be the official magazine of the Sci-Fi Channel. I think is what it is. But I just wanted to correct that about the ratings. But it is pretty highly rated. And the other thing that I wanted to say that I didn't get a chance to during watching the episode and commenting is. This is also an episode that kind of divides Star Trek fans a little bit because it's probably the the furthest and the darkest episode of Deep Space Nine and something that gets the farthest away from Gene Roddenberry's vision of what people would be like in the future and the Federation and, and doing the right thing and having sort of a higher moral standard, almost like a, a superhero situation where 
they they kind of have to do what's right, even at the cost, even no matter what the cost. And in, in this case, they you know they don't really do that. They they do something kind of on on the bad side, on the dark side, and and for you know for good reasons, like Cisco says during the episode. But it is uh, it, it's interesting. I enjoy it. I enjoy Deep Space Nine. I, you know, I obviously love Trek, but I can also see these different sort of takes on it a bit. And I think you, you have a little bit of a, a a problem if you if you create a universe of Trek that everything is always perfect and good and and all that. I think the the conflict and and things going on in a show like Deep Space Nine make it very interesting. And I and I think without that, I think you have a a bit of a storytelling problem to a degree and i think it just makes more sense and and the key thing here is how much cisco is is torn up by this even though he says he has to live with it and that so i've said plenty for this episode i want to turn this over now one more comment and then i will wrap up today's episode this just in from uh feathers mike featherstone on the forums just got this in on my email box so mike here's your comments on uh, this episode of deep space nine hey rico mike from london long time no comment and you nearly didn't get a comment this week. In fact, this is so late, I'm not sure it's going to get in in time. Because you've picked one of those episodes of Deep Space Nine that, while I, I know I've seen at least twice, I actually couldn't remember at all. I had to go out to Memory Alpha or somewhere to work out quite which one it was talking about. And while it is memorable, and I do now have some recollection of having seen it, I think the only comment I really want to make on it is it was a, a fine example of Deep Space Nine taking a darker road than perhaps either of the two preceding series could ever have managed. I'm not going to say Gene Roddenberry wouldn't have done it had he been alive, but there's certainly that, that feeling about it. Taking the story down a path that certainly Starfleet wouldn't condone, that none of the Starfleet characters actually probably would have condoned, the way it was relayed, the way also that Garrick was roped into uh, to doing the things that, that needed to doing, but nobody could else could quite stomach. And then rounded at the end as if to say well you got me in here for this very reason you know full well that i was possibly going to take it further than you would like just very good use of the characters that were available obviously characters well established by then motivations and ways of behaving well understood and well set in place it was just nice to pull them all together like this thanks for what i'm sure be another excellent podcast i'm sure i'll get back to you at some other time on some other topic cheers well thanks very much mike uh, i appreciate your comment uh, even if it is at the last minute and uh, i i'm really glad that you sent that in it's amazing how well it coordinated with what i was just talking about about gene roddenberry and his vision for trek and uh, it's kind of uh, i have to say that that seems to happen so much and and i think it has to do with you guys Knowing me so well after all this time and doing the podcast and, and my, myself getting to know you through the forums and other ways uh, is that we're just, I think, in sync pretty well. And uh, and I don't mean the boy band. or They weren't really a boy band in sync, were they? No, they weren't a boy band. What am I talking about? They were an 80s band that I enjoy. Anyway, <laughs> how did that happen? Boy, the way my mind works sometimes. So it, 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 great comment and always, always wonderful to hear from you. And uh, you'll have to do another guest spot sometime. I would love to have you back. And speaking of that, we're going to round out today's podcast to give you a little idea of the future here. Uh, next week, I am going to be covering, and I want your comments, guys. And I know that many people on the forums and elsewhere enjoy this TV series, The Big Bang Theory. 
And Mark, I'm talking to you, especially if you're listening this week. I'd love to have some audio comments, you know, a couple minutes long about what you guys think of this show, what your favorite episodes or moments have been, characters and so forth. Uh, I think it's going to be fun, a little more lighthearted type of Treks in sci-fi. Not that we're not fun, but, you know, some of these Trek episodes, especially this week's, get pretty deep and pretty dark. And uh, so next week, The Big Bang Theory. And please send in your comments to treksf at gmail.com. Uh, the week after that is going to be a guest sh- uh, uh, podcast. Uh, someone named Al uh, Al Kessel, who does the uh, Tales from the Mouse House, which I'm trying to get that promo in on this week's episode. You'll probably have already heard it by this point in the podcast. He is going to uh, be recording a show for us. Uh, so his first time in the guest the guest host seat is like I, I, I'm trying to call it now. He is going to do a show in, in two weeks about the Highlander, uh, both the TV series and the movies. And, you know, that it, I love it when people, you know, come forward to do guest spots. And I also especially love it when they come forward to do guest spots on shows and things that I'm not a, a super expert or familiar with as much. I watched the Highlander TV series a little bit. Uh, not regularly, uh, more towards the beginning of the series, and I think I've seen all of the movies. Uh, of course, the you know the first one's really kind of a classic. They kind of dwindled after that, but uh, but anyway, I'm really looking forward to his take and discussion about Highlander. That'll be in two weeks, and I think that's as far as my schedule goes out right now. I got to add a few things. I uh, as a little preview, I, I am planning on adding to the near future schedule. I am finally going to do a podcast about Firefly and Serenity. It's uh, I've talked about it numerous times over the uh, weeks and months and years of Treks and Sci-Fi, but I have not done a full podcast, so that's coming up sometime soon, probably over the summer. I'll work it into the schedule, probably in July sometime, I think, and a few other things I have in mind. So I'm out of here. Uh, get this edited, get some lunch, uh, maybe do a little laundry later, go out and buy a few plants for the apartment. i got to get some more pictures up online, too. I haven't really put any pictures up of where I'm at right now for you guys on the forum. So I'm, I plan on doing that soon. Maybe make a little video for Attic of My Mind to bring that show back of of the apartment and, and where I'm at. And uh, it's going well. I, I, I'm pretty comfortable now and uh, actually uh, not too much of a mess here anymore. So... Got to get some, a uh, few more things, but that's about it. Thanks, everyone, for listening so much. I appreciate it, uh, and uh, always uh, happy to have you back each week listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Bye-bye. So what kind of combat training do you have? Fancy.
Sci-Fi. This has been a Rico Dodge production.